You are listening to You Should Write a Book with Camille Pagan. I'm Camille, the best-selling author of 10 books, a master certified coach, and the founder of Even Better Co. Each week, I share ideas about creating an even better author career. Ready to reach your writing goals? Let's dive in. Hello, writers. I want to give you an update before we dive into today's episode. So as of the airing of this episode, January 23rd, the Career Novelist Mastermind is nearly full. If you're considering it, I encourage you to apply now. I bring this up because I've received a ton of emails over the past two weeks about the Mastermind from writers saying, hey, are you going to run this again in the second half of 2024 or in 2025? I typically like to keep my plans open until they're absolutely finalized. But in this case, I can tell you that it's pretty unlikely, and I want to share why. Most of the writers who've written me have said something along the lines of, I don't know if this is the right time for me to join. So next week, I'm actually going to talk at length about making time for writing and everything else that's important to you. But before then, here's what to keep in mind. I think sometimes not now is your brain's way of saying, this isn't actually the right fit for me. A lot of times I've delayed on things because I don't really want to do them or something is telling me it's not right. But that's not always the case. And I'm a big believer in good questions. Good questions are the foundation of coaching and they direct your brain to better answers. So instead of asking, is this the right time? I think the best question here is, is this a priority for me right now? And I bring that up because Most of the time in my career, both as a coach and an author, it has not been the right time. I say that in air quotes. As I shared here, I wrote my first novel when my baby was a newborn, my daughter, and I was working full-time as a journalist. I was my uh, family's primary breadwinner, and at one point, the only breadwinner. My husband had been laid off for a little while. And in the middle of all of that, I was going back and forth to the hospital because I had a very good friend who was dying of cancer. Terrible timing, but it was a priority. That experience, more than anything, taught me that the perfect conditions not only don't matter, sometimes it's easy not to take action when things are going really well. Likewise, I got certified as a coach at the beginning of the pandemic, in the middle of homeschooling my kids, launching one novel, and being on deadline for another. Now, I'm not advocating for burnout or frenetic action. As I mentioned a minute ago, I really believe in listening to your gut checking in with yourself and saying, you know, is this not right for me? But to quote Brian Tracy, life is going to throw some sort of emergency at you every two to three months. Usually these emergencies are not as significant. Power goes out and you lose all the contents of your refrigerator. Um, Your child needs special attention. You get the flu. They're not always terrible, terrible things, but they upend your schedule and your life. And I think when we accept that, we stop waiting for things to clear up because they probably never will, not the way we're imagining, you know, perfect conditions for writing. And we make more aligned decisions. All that said, I want to remind you that no matter what it is, up-leveling your diet, hiring a financial planner, or yes, going all in on your author career, sometimes it isn't a priority. And there's no harm in saying that. If anything, I think it's empowering to say this isn't a priority for me right now because it reminds you of your own agency, that you are making a choice 
and the thing is not happening to you, which feels very disempowering. As I shared here before, I wrote very little and didn't sell a novel in 2022 because I was getting master certified as a coach and I was centered on that part of my business. I did that on purpose and really recognizing that made me be able to say that was a choice. I don't have to beat myself up for not having a particular book outcome that I wanted. So in addition to all that, I want to just share a little bit on the personal front. You all are often emailing me to be like, what's going on with you? What's happening with your books and your career? So when it comes to my career, capital C, I'm always thinking about two particular things. How do I best serve myself as an author? And how do I best serve my coaching clients? And the reality is I have big plans for this year and even more so for 2025. I will sell a book very soon and I'll keep you updated on that. I have several other novels in various pre-drafting phases. And I'm working on a nonfiction project about the intersection of creativity and productivity. All of these goals, these books, they're going to take time and focus. And I fully intend to keep coaching and teaching as I write. At various points, and those of you who have worked with me for several years know this, I have considered giving up one-on-one coaching. It's not the most lucrative part of my business. It is particularly time-consuming. And now I realize that while I'm coaching, I probably won't give it up. And the reason for that is because it is the most rewarding part of my coaching business. Being able to tailor each session and homework to an individual client It's a really powerful way to help them get results. In fact, research just supports the efficacy of one-on-one coaching because of that individualized attention. But more than that, these sessions just really inspire me as a writer. I have the best clients. I walk away from every session just feeling positive about the state of publishing in general and what we can create as authors. So it's really win-win. I only coach a handful of clients at a time. And I'll probably keep doing that, likely at an even more reduced scale. So if that aspect of my business isn't changing, not significantly, I had to think, what is going to give me more time to focus on my books and still serve writers? And that, as of right now, looks like shifting toward a model of helping more writers in a less time-consuming fashion. This podcast accomplishes that. And by the way, I love getting DMs from you. Emails saying that you enjoy it, recommendations, that really fuels me. And thank you if you've done that. My newsletter also accomplishes that. So those are two great things. But going forward, I believe that offering courses instead of small group masterminds is most likely the way I will serve more writers with less time commitment. There may be a membership on the horizon. I've been kind of debating that, um, something that would be a much larger group. But I haven't really made up my mind on that front yet, which means it's not yet a yes. I don't know if you've been in a mastermind before or if you've run one, but they are amazing in terms of the inspiration that you get, the community element, the support. It's really fantastic. I love doing them. And they are a major time commitment if you're going to do it well. And so for the Career Novelist Mastermind, I really want to go out on a high note. Every time I run this, I improve the curriculum and content, and I intend to use what I've created to build out several courses, which is part of the reason why I'm running this one last time from February to June. So really, if you're considering it, I think now is the time. 
And if you have any questions or just thoughts about all of this, feel free to email me at team at evenbetter.co. That's .co. And I'll put that in the show notes. Okay, so with all that said, let's talk about self-confidence. This episode is a follow-up to last week's episode on imposter syndrome. And while I recommend listening to that if you haven't already, you don't have to in order to benefit from what I'm going to say today. Boosting self-confidence is important for more reasons than you might think. And I want to share how this showed up for me just last week. So last week, I sent an email to my You Should Write a Book email list about my clients' results from 2023, which were just phenomenal. Um, And I quoted one particular client, Darcy St. John, who published this stellar novel called Crash Into Me. But I called Darcy, Darcy St. James, in that email, which she very gently pointed out to me. I know her last name. I refer to her often. It was just one of those kind of little slips of the mind. And even though my newsletter gets copy edited, um, my copy editor and I, neither of us caught it. Fortunately, I did link to her actual book, but still, silly mistake. I definitely knew better. Even a couple years ago, I would have ruminated all morning, maybe even all day for doing this, especially because it impacted someone else. This time, I sent Darcy a quick note to say I was so sorry and reminded myself that even when you have other eyes on the product, mistakes happen. In fact, you all, I don't know if you know this, but nearly every printed book contains some sort of error. No matter how many layers of editing, right? Humans create things that have errors. It's not just about having the self-confidence to show up to a blank page and fill it and then another 250 plus pages, although certainly that's helpful. Self-confidence is about every part of your life. I really don't think when it comes to being an author that there's a church and state. Um, Your personal life, your writing life, they kind of all go together. If you're struggling in one area, it very often bleeds into another. And when you feel great in one area, it feeds the other areas. This is why my clients, once they go for their writing goals, they will show up to sessions telling me with shock on their faces that their relationships have improved or they're managing their money better. And I think it kind of comes back to that saying, how you do anything is how you do everything. And research really supports this. To revisit what I mentioned last episode, self-confidence and confidence aren't actually the same thing. Confidence is feeling that you're able to pull it off because you pulled it off before. Self-confidence is more like a combination of courage and self-trust. It's taking the action or risk and knowing you'll have your own back, even if you're uncertain of the outcome. It is, to come back to the mistake I made last week in my email, getting your client's name wrong and accepting that you screwed up without thinking it means something bigger about you or using that as fuel to feel lousy about yourself. I want to point out a few key factors of self-confidence. First, it is internal, not external. It's based on your thoughts about yourself, and those make you feel self-confident. While self-confidence is often evident to others, it doesn't have to be. It's really about you, because it's based on your opinion of yourself, not anyone else's. If you are a best-selling author and you feel amazing because you have 4.5 stars on Amazon, that's based on other people's opinions of you, and it's just regular old confidence. If you have not published yet, and you keep showing up, and you are proud of the fact that you put out page after page, 
No one may know that you're doing so, but you feel good about yourself. That's self-confidence. I'm going to argue that self-confidence is more attractive than confidence because ultimately it's a form of ease. It's a way of being in the world that isn't dependent on results. And why is that important? Because we're not always going to get the results we want, right? There's nothing worse than seeing a so-called confident person melt down when things have not gone their way. Self-confidence, on the other hand, is, I do this all the time, tripping in public and then laughing to yourself. You're not mortified, and so no one really even pays attention because you just go on your merry way. Literally did this at the gym today. And at heart, it is your ability to believe in yourself with little evidence, in many cases, that what you want is possible. You're going for it anyways. One thing that my clients often say to me um, is that, oh, Camille, isn't that like having an ego? Isn't it being arrogant? And I think this is the common misconception. Self-confidence is not arrogant at all. Arrogance is a sense of superiority of being better than other people. Per Merriam-Webster, arrogance is often accompanied by presumptuous claims or assumptions. Self-confidence is a sense of being enough and not needing to prove that to anyone else. You are just in a category of one, right? You're not comparing yourself or judging yourself based on what other people are doing or not doing. You are your own judge in competition. And this is true no matter where you're at in the process. You need self-confidence on day one of your author career and the very last day of your author career. Here's the beautiful thing. Self-confidence can coexist with anxiety or other types of discomfort. It can live right there alongside them. In fact, when you're self-confident, you can say, and I'm going to use my own example here, oh, I know I'm anxious. It just means I care. That's how my brain works. It's not a sign that this will not work out for me or that I can't reach my goal. So why is self-confidence important when it comes to publishing in particular? I may have said this before in the podcast, but I believe that we are always demonstrating to others how they should think of us, whether we realize it or not. Now, to be very clear, I'm not talking about being able to thought work other people out of racism or sexism or things like that. But I do think that the way that we think about ourselves is often magnetic to other people. They pick up on it. I remember when I got a terrible Publishers Weekly review for my debut novel, and I was so incredibly ashamed. And I swear that my editor at the time just picked up on that and like absorbed it from me. People get bad reviews all the time, but I was so ashamed that she really um, made it into kind of a big deal. Now, that review holds no power over me. If anything, I'm grateful for it because it's a tool that I teach from. Just, you know, if you're out there and you're like, oh, I just got a career ending review, trust me, I've gotten the ugliest one. The reason it holds no power over me is because I've given myself permission to not be perfect, right? In the very particular way that my brain defines perfection and to like myself anyways. I really believe that self-confidence is a key ingredient to creating a career that you truly love. And here's why. For starters, it keeps you going when things aren't working out for you. And no matter where you're at in your career, you're going to face these days, these weeks, these months. When you love yourself or like yourself, and I'll talk more about that in a minute, you believe you can figure it out and you don't waste time beating yourself up or focusing on your shortcomings or failures, real or perceived. It really goes hand in hand with growth mindset. 
which is a key predictor in success. Across literature, this is shown. And you can't grow if you're only willing to support yourself when you get everything just right. Self-confidence also keeps that inward focus. You are focused on your own progress rather than what everyone else is doing. And I think those are the horse blinders you need to keep advancing. If we pay too much attention about how the publishing sky is falling, how this thing isn't working anymore, this thing isn't working, it's so hard out there. I mean, just you're going to sit at your computer and cry. I think that this is how you put your gaze back on your own work and create from a place of authenticity because you're trying to please yourself first rather than gatekeepers, readers, or anyone else. Those people are all important, but we start with what do I want to create? What is going to be great for me? And when we're self-confident, this is probably the most important point, we're willing to try new things without knowing can we pull it off. We're willing to go after our big dreams because if we wait to make sure we can absolutely reach the thing or do it perfectly before we begin, we end up doing nothing at all. Action is what leads to results. So you have to be willing to test, try things, get that data, and adjust accordingly in order to move towards your goal. I also believe that self-confidence makes you about as close to impervious to criticism as a person can get, right? If you are self-confident, no one can knock you off that pedestal because it's not a pedestal above everyone else, right? You're not forming your opinion of yourself based on other people. And so, you know, you have that, you own that. I also want to just point out that self-confidence produces energy. Rather than making you feel depleted, it really helps you stay motivated, keep going, feel like you can show up. One of the reasons why arrogance, overconfidence, and even faking it feel bad is because they are all based on the reactions and or actions of other people. So you are constantly monitoring what other people are doing, saying, thinking in response to you. And that is attention is energy. It really can be quite exhausting. And when you do that all the time, not only are you constantly paying attention, feeling defeated, um, you are likely recalibrating constantly based on what other people are doing. And that is an exhausting fool's errand. With all that in mind, let's talk about how to develop more self-confidence. This is, like most things on my podcast, based partially on research and partially just on my observations working with hundreds of writers. This is what I see work actually in publishing. First, and this sounds kind of weird, but stay with me, you have to be willing to feel any feeling. So self-confidence is not about avoiding embarrassment or shame. It's being willing to feel them and like yourself anyways, right? When we're not afraid of feeling a feeling, we don't avoid the actions that we have to take or even the goals that we really want because we're afraid of whatever they might bring up for us. So a prime example here is querying agents. As you query agents, no matter how stellar that query letter, uh, how connected you are, you know, if all conditions are right, you still are likely to feel rejection because not everyone's going to say yes to you. And maybe if you're like most writers, some shame and frustration. If you are willing to accept those, you're like, okay, I feel ashamed. I feel frustrated. I like to 
kind of be like, where is this showing up in my body? Does my chest feel tight? My fingers tingly? Breathe through it, right? Instead of buffering, that's like going to do something else that's going to distract you. And after just a few seconds of that, then examining what's making you feel that way, what thoughts are going on in your head, you really can very quickly begin to shift your point of view. And then you go back to querying, which is what you have to do to get the agent. If you look at anyone in any field, publishing or otherwise, who's accomplished anything of note, they do so through many, many, many tries. So you have to be willing to continue to show up. And that requires feeling negative feelings. Another thing that can help you build more self-confidence is deciding that imperfection is the best way to create. Truly, this has changed everything for me. I make typos. I get things wrong. Uh, I can never remember left from right, uh, east from west, north from south. I just directionally very challenged. And issues like that impact my work sometimes. And I have created so much more value as a writer, a coach, and a human being because I have gotten over being hung up on having everything be right. I'm going to have my back even when I get it wrong, right? Intention counts for a lot. We say this for other people, you know, what was their intention? But we often fail to do it for ourselves. So when you mess up, you can think, what was my intention here? Was I coming from a good place? Okay, great. I'm going to give myself the same credit I would give my best friend if she did that. Then to circle around to what I mentioned earlier, you got to work on liking yourself. So we use the term self-love a lot in like personal development spaces, even some of the um, psychology literature. But what we're really talking about is liking yourself as you are, right? You can love yourself enough to feed yourself every day and maybe not, I don't know, put yourself in danger. But do you like yourself? One interesting way to curb negative self-talk, which, you know, that's the opposite of liking yourself is putting a photo of yourself as a child somewhere where you can see it. Put it somewhere like on your desk, uh, maybe on a dresser. And when you're beating yourself up, ask yourself, would I talk to my five-year-old self this way? Hopefully the answer is no. So don't do it now. Couple other ways to like yourself more. This is one of the easiest, and it's one of the first things I teach in all classes or masterminds that I do, is focusing more on your strengths than your deficits. Yes, you're going to have to learn to do certain things better, but don't linger there. Don't obsess over what's going wrong. Really think about what you do right. That's really simple, and I personally think it improves your writing. Take care of yourself in any standard that matters to you. There is a reason why you would never see me show up to a coaching session in sweats, and no uh, shade to anyone who likes to show up that way. I prefer myself when I am dressed up a little for a client. Taking care of your appearance, however you define it, I'm not talking about upholding patriarchal or societal beauty norms. I'm talking about showing up for yourself, really. You're affirming to yourself that you are important and that you are worth taking care of. Likewise, take the time to do things that make you feel good. You cannot punish your way to success. I think that we need to remind ourselves that, again, we are worth taking care of. And obviously, be around people who value you and believe in you. You can manage your thoughts around almost anything, but my question for you is, do you want to? If you are constantly around people who are so negative, whether just in a general sense about writing or publishing or maybe about you, or, you know, they're constantly getting little jabs in, that is a lot of time and energy 
to overcome that. Emotions truly are contagious, so just pick your circles carefully. And then one key way to build self-confidence is to honor your commitments to yourself. Self-confidence grows from self-trust. In a way, they're almost the same thing. When you do what you say you're going to do, you feel good about yourself. You trust yourself. So honor your commitments. Did you decide to only have one glass of wine a day? Wake up at a certain time? Write a certain number of words? If so, do that to the best of your ability. And if you're struggling and you can't figure out why, you know, it's an ongoing issue that you can't do the thing that you said you would do, get support. Might be from a coach, if it's appropriate, a therapist, physician, another qualified professional, especially if we're talking about something like addiction. But really don't continue to just struggle and berate yourself. Go get some help. And this may sound obvious, but don't seek out proof that you're no good, right? Don't go scouring Goodreads for all your negative reviews. Again, you can manage your mind around anything, but should you? Probably not. I don't read reviews in my novels. I really appreciate them, but I don't seek them out. I put up boundaries around what I see on social media and who I interact with for the same reason. This is because if you are measuring your self-image against other people's um, opinion of you, essentially, it just kills your self-confidence pretty quickly. There will always be choices that you didn't make, that you should have, more that you could have done, ways you could have been better, smarter, whatever the thing is. And that's fine, right? Growth mindset. It's okay that you didn't get it right before. You can continue to improve. Last and maybe most importantly, I want you to commit to taking some sort of uncomfortable action regularly. I'm not going to say daily. This isn't a 30-day challenge. But more often than you are now, I want you to do things like say no when you feel like you should say yes. Speak your mind. Ask for more money. Talk to a stranger. Really step out of your comfort zone and remind yourself that you can feel any feeling that arises from doing so. With few exceptions, and I want to be very clear, I'm not talking about physical safety or health here, but really in the realm of being an author, the worst thing that can happen to you is that you have an uncomfortable feeling. When we recognize that and we take the risk and we have our own backs, no matter what the outcome, we then take more action. And that is when we succeed, right? The more action you take, the higher your odds are of getting what you want. Thank you for listening today. I hope this resonated. If you have questions, email me anytime, team at evenbetter.co, that's .co, and happy writing. For more resources on creating an even better author career, including free webinars and the You Should Write a Book newsletter, visit evenbetter.co, that's .co. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to leave a brief review. If you already have, thank you. And thanks for tuning in.